Romantic tension. It's an essential plot device found most in any film, whether it is a romantic comedy, a thriller, or an action adventure. Think about the classics, Indy and Marion in Raiders of the Lost Ark, Rick and Ilsa in Casablanca. Even spy movies include romance. Think of Jason Bourne and Marie in The Bourne Identity, or even a lesser-known film, Sam and Deirdre in Ronan. Romance is an integral part of the films we watch because Hollywood knows it sells tickets. We want romance portrayed on the silver screen just like we want it in real life. That's amore. It's part of how we are wired. We long to pursue someone we admire or crave to have an admirer woo us. We yearn to go beyond ourselves and to share something special with someone we're attracted to. The concept of romance is usually re reserved to describe a passionate relationship between a man and a woman. However, this morning in Wild Honey, the song we played during, during the offering, U2 spins that convention upside down. Using romantic imagery, U2 explores the nature of God's untamed relationship that he'd like to have with you and I. And my goal this morning is that we would use that song as a springboard, so to speak, to rethink our understanding of the nature of God's love for us. While romance is a hot ticket item at the movies, this idea is usually left behind as we walk through the doors of our, of our churches. In fact, here or anywhere else, I bet you've never heard a sermon from the pulpit on a sunny, sunny morning that used words like ravishing, untamed, or romance, when describing God's interaction with the people he created. In spite of the fact that the scriptures paint a far wilder picture, I wonder if we become a planet full of prudes when we think about our relationship to God. In our mind, God is holy and powerful and sovereign, someone to be revered, honored, and obeyed. He's our savior, our shelter, and our strength. And you two speaks to this idea when they sing in Wild Honey, from the cruel sun, you were shelter, you were my shelter and my shade. These descriptions mirror Isaiah 25.4, when Isaiah says, You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy and their distress, a shelter from the storm, and a shade from the heat. These descriptions are absolutely true, but they are insufficient in and of themselves. In fact, when we view God only as our holy, powerful protector, our relationship with him quickly becomes obligatory and transactional. It's much like a medieval serf paying homage to the powerful but benevolent landowner king. I'll do something for him, and then in turn I hope that he will do something in response for me. John Eldridge describes how this twisted view can impact our lives. He says, our faith ends up feeling more like a series of problems that needs to be solved or principles that need to be mastered before we can finally enter into the abundant life promised us by Christ. Eldridge continues, and he says, The Christian life is a love affair of the heart. It cannot be lived primarily as a set of principles or ethics. It cannot be managed with steps and programs. It cannot be lived exclusively as a moral code leading to righteousness. The truth of the gospel is intended to free us to love God and love others with our whole heart. When we ignore this heart aspect of our faith and try to live our faith out solely as correct doctrine or ethics, our passion is crippled or perverted, and the divorce of our soul from the heart purposes of God toward us is deepened. 
when our view of God is purely as an authority figure, we end up dumbing down the nature of God's love for us. At best, his love becomes much like a grandfather's affection to his grandchild, sincere, warm, and protective, but tame, and certainly never intimate. In fact, words that convey something stronger would be considered inappropriate, deemed in poor taste. Intimacy, that's male and female stuff behind closed doors. God's love, that needs to be about devotion, honor, respect, trust, and obedience. Julian of Norwich tells how this perspective skews our understanding of God's love. Some of us believe that God is almighty and may do everything, and that he is all wisdom and can do everything, but that he is all love and wishes to do everything? There we stop short. It is this ignorance, it seems to me, that hinders most of God's lovers. Because we don't use intimate words in describing our relationship with God, many of us probably when we were listening to that U2 song during the offering time was kind of thinking that it was probably U2 thinking or singing about human romance in the song. But on the contrary, U2 is actually looking at the relationship between God and his people. They sing of a God who desires us and wants to do the kind of things that lovers do, play, hang out, and simply be together. The first verse goes like this. In the days when we were swinging from the trees, I was a monkey stealing honey from a swarm of bees. I could taste, I could taste you even then, and I would chase you down the wind. Spoken from God's point of view, this verse depicts a world on a time before the sin of Adam and Eve, a time in which God could be playful and wild with his creation without any encumbrances between them. In the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis depicts Jesus Christ as a lion named Aslan. Aslan shows that same untamed affection to his faithful as you too sings about in Wild Honey. After Aslan is resurrected in The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, he says before playfully running off, I feel my strength coming back to me. Oh, children, catch me if you can. The main character, Lucy, can never decide whether playing with Aslan in this manner was more like playing with a thunderstorm or playing with a kitten. In Prince Caspian, Aslan invites children to get on his back and go for a lively romp. And then finally, in the, in the last battle, he's running alongside the heroes of the story as they race together further up, further in, in the new Narnia. Walter Bruggeman share, uh, echoes this same perspective when he writes, We live our lives before the wild, dangerous, unfettered, and free character of the living God. Bruggeman, C.S. Lewis, and Bono are pointing to a wild side of God that we rarely think about and understand even less. John Eldridge, is, or John Eldridge refers to the love that comes from this wild side of God as the sacred romance between God and his people. And while romance may seem like a poor word choice when speaking of our relationship with God, with God, that's only because of our limited, narrow understanding of the term. Romance is far more than physical attraction. It's an intimate, passionate desire for something beyond ourselves. It's a heart yearning within us. It's a longing for transcendence, to be part of something good out of the ordinary. And it's a desire for deeper communication deeper intimacy. God has left us with this haunting of a sacred romance to draw us towards him, towards home. G.K. Chesterton once wrote, romance is the deepest thing in life. Romance is deeper even than reality. 
Chesterton understood that, and C.S. Lewis, we know from his, his writings, certainly did too. Yet in our modern culture and our modern church, I wonder how much we have lost it. I think we often have a distrust of emotion, of, these, of the heart, of the longing. We might pay lip service to it at times, but I think we get, uh, all these can sound a little bit touchy-feely for us, so we, I think we downplay them. And we can snop out this haunting with our rationalism, didactic teaching, and logical approach that we take to our faith. And John Eldridge warns us of the pitfalls of, the, of this approach. This sacred romance is at the core of our spiritual journey. Any religion that ignores it survives only as guilt-induced legalism, a set of propositions to be memorized and rules to be obeyed. God is a lover at heart, says Eldridge. Jars of Clay calls God a fast-pursuing lover in their song, Hymn. They sing, O refuge of my hardened heart, O fast-pursuing lover come. As angels dance around your throne, my life by captured fair you own. C.S. Lewis speaks to this point in his uh, book, The Four Loves, saying, God who needs nothing, loves into existence holy superfluous creatures in order that he may love and perfect them. God specifically created us to be his lovers. Think about what I just said. God specifically created us to be his lovers. I think that deserves a David gentleman wow. And since David isn't here this morning, wow. We'll go with that. God specifically created us to be his lovers. And once you understand this truth, the Bible changes in its significance. What I mean by that is it begins to read surprisingly like a love letter. Isaiah writes, As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. And he adds, in a verses, uh, he adds a few verses later, You will be called sought after. The Song, of Solom or the Song of Songs is an Old Testament book that is far more than just a story of sexual love between a man and a woman, but also an allegory of God's intimate relationship with his faithful. And seen in this light, even the hard stuff in the Bible begins to make much more sense. Harsh words, far from being hate mail from an angry dictator, are transformed into hurt words from a heartbroken, jilted lover. The prophet Ezekiel cries out to the idol-worshipping Israelites, You adulterous wife, you prefer strangers to your own husband. This imagery is even more apparent in the book of Hosea, which chronicles the story of Hosea's marriage to his unfaithful wife. Hosea's sad story mirrors the heartbreak that God experienced when the Israelites cheated on him. The surprising truth is that God is depicted throughout the Old and the New Testament as someone who has always wanted to woo humans. Simon Tugwell says, So long as we imagine it is we who have to look for God, we must often lose heart. But it is the other way around. He is looking for us. This is not just something that he decided to do because we happen to be born into the world. In fact, it was his idea from the very beginning. You two sings in Wild Honey related to this. Did I know you? Did I know you even then? Before the clocks kept time, before the world was made. Once you begin to realize that God has longed to romance you even before he created the universe, Christianity is, turned, is transformed from a religion into a full-fledged love affair. 
When you enter into a love relationship like this with God, the Christian life is no longer a set of rules and regulations you must follow to avoid punishment. Instead, as Bono sings in the song, you can do just what you please, wild honey. Now, Bono isn't preaching some sort of hippie, no-rules religion. Instead, he is simply echoing something that St. Augustine proclaimed over 1,500 years ago. Love God, and then do as you please. In other words, when we're truly intimate with God, your utmost desire and preoccupation is going to be to want to please your divine lover through obedience and devotion. And in fact, the reality of sin itself changes. Instead of breaking God's rules, sin is now, sin is now seen as something that breaks God's heart. Few believers today, however, really think of the relationship with God as a love affair and partake in the intimacy that God desires. In fact, the concept can make as much sense to us as the complexities of Moroccan politics, for example. And so when we fail to understand and experience this divine romance, we inevitably seek substitutes for filling that untamed spot in our soul. And these usually come in the form of Earthly relationships that are more important to us than God is, sex, expensive toys, career, sports, hobbies, you name it. These replace God as the objects of devotion that we become passionate and consumed about. Of course, we don't find long-term fulfillment in these stand-ins for God. We only end up growing more and more restless in our search. As St. Augustine says, For you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Instead of giving up, though, God patiently waits for us as we waste our time and energy on these alternatives. Going back to the song Wild Honey, Bono sings, I'm still standing, I'm still standing where you left me. Are you still growing wild with everything tame around you? It's funny, the popular belief today is that God, that God is a being who wants to handcuff our passions instead of fulfill them. As a result, people run from him in search of freedom in every other alleyway under the sun. But as the song suggests, the great irony is that the replacements that people turn to, these that we just talked about in a, a second ago, that these are all too tame when compared to the untamed, wild reality of God's love. All the while we look elsewhere, God continues to court us, trying to woo us back to him. You, you too expresses this in Wild Honey, saying, I send you flowers, cut flowers for your hall. I know your garden's full, but is there sweetness at all? Is our garden full of substitutes instead of being open for him? In today's world, the word Puritan conjures up stereotyped images of legalistic fruitish folks bent on ridding the world of fun. And regardless of how true or untrue those stereotypes are of, or of, the, of the Puritans, there was at least one Puritan, Pastor Richard Baxter, who understood perfectly the wild, passionate side of God. Take a look at this quote. It's a little bit long, but it's really powerful. Is it a small thing in your eyes to be loved by God, to be the son, the spouse, the love, the delight of the king of glory? Christian, believe this and think about it. You will be eternally embraced in the arms of the love which was from, from everlasting and will extend to everlasting, of the love which was brought from the Son of God's love from heaven to earth, from earth to the cross, from the cross to the grave, from the grave to glory. 
that love which was weary, hungry, tempted, scorned, scourged, buffeted, spat upon, crucified, pierced, which fasted, prayed, taught, healed, wept, sweated, bled, and died. That love will eternally embrace you. God has already demonstrated his amazing love for you with the sacrifice that Jesus performed on the cross, making a relationship possible between God and humans. He now wants to transform what was started in your life into something that is wild and passionate. Won't you take me, take me please, pleads God in Wild Honey. And later in the song, you could go there if you please, Wild Honey. And if you go there, go with me. Bono's use of could and I illustrate how gloriously possible this romance is for you and I. In fact, there's just one connect, uh, condition to making this sacred love affair a reality. Simply open up your heart and pursue him too.